Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a prospect writer and analyst, as well as a co-founder of JustBaseball.com. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about the 40-man roster implications on prospects, right? Because with this stupid lockout, we are going to unfortunately see some prospects looped into this trickle down here of players that will not be able to take the field. Of course, the minor leagues as a whole will start on time and everything will be normal for the minor leagues aside from this one, I guess, just one detraction, which is the fact that 40-man roster players are part of the big leagues, technically speaking, and will not be able to play in the minor leagues. And guess what? There are a lot of prospects that are in that territory that are on 40-man rosters. And I'll get into the whole details of that in a second and why prospects are added to 40-man rosters before they debut. Of course, the easier ones to determine is basically any prospect who had a cup of coffee at the big league level is on a 40-man roster. So you think of O'Neill Cruz playing a couple games, Josh Lowe playing a couple games. Those guys will not be able to play. Same with Joey Bart, who barely got up to the big leagues last year, played more in 2020, but still another guy that would not be eligible to play. So I'm going to go through some of the top 100 list. I also want to talk about the Cleveland Guardians and how much they got beat up by this whole lockout situation for their prospects. I know we just talked about the Guardians uh, on the last episode or two episodes ago before the interview with Anthony Mulrine. So uh, I won't spend too, too much time on them, but I just think it's interesting to lay out all of the prospects that will not be able to play for them. And there's some other teams that are massively impacted as well. The good news is that there is still so much talent that will be able to play right from the get-go, of course, Every player that was recently drafted. Um, And then, of course, just tons of international free agents, guys, that have not had to be added to that 40-man roster yet. And basically, so for, for those who might be wondering, well, why are some of these prospects that are far from the big leagues, why have they been added to the 40-man roster? Well, basically, it's to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Because if you are signed at the age of 19 or older and or drafted, usually it's between four or five years, depending on your situation of when you were signed, what your age was, and, and all of those things. But basically, between four and five years for any player after they go pro, they will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And the whole purpose of the Rule 5 draft is to make sure that players who are being trapped or stashed in the minor leagues get an opportunity to 
get a crack at the big leagues if other teams deem them as big league eligible or really just worthy of being a major league player or getting a shot up there. So after that amount of time, those four to five years pass, and you don't add those guys to the 40-man roster, you don't make the spot for them, they can be selected for $100,000. But the stipulation is that the other team that selects them has to put them straight to the big leagues. The second you take them off of your active roster, the team that you drafted or slash purchased the prospect from will be eligible to be bought back for half the price. I know it's a lot and it's kind of complicated. Many of you probably already know how that all works, but the reason why I'm giving the quick rule five rundown is more often than not, that is the reason why teams have to try to figure out how in the world they are going to shake out their 40-man roster uh, and find the space. And the Guardians were incredible because I think they had more than a dozen players, a dozen prospects added to their 40-man roster because of how deep their system is. What's unfortunate is that this is a weird time because without the 2020 season, we talked about how no 2020 minor league season made the Rule 5 draft arguably as loaded as ever. We didn't get to see the Rule 5 draft yet. That won't happen until the lockout is figured out. Uh, But it made it as talented as ever because it delayed every player's progression by a year. So the time still passed. The four or five year clock still ticks along. uh, But the players did not get their progression that they would have had with the 2020 season. So everybody kind of got set back a year behind schedule and resulted in more players being Rule 5 eligible that weren't as close to big league ready. And that's where it gets really tough for teams to figure out what in the world they're going to do. The good news is when you look at our Just Baseball Top 100 list, which is soon to be updated, I know I keep saying that, but I'm going to continue to remind you that it will soon be updated. The top 50 write-ups are all done. uh, Most of the next 25 are done. Uh, So we're, we're pretty much almost there. I'm just hashing out really the last 25, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all about that top 100 list. But you look at the the top of the top, really the only guy that is not going to be able to play uh, out of the gate is Julio Rodriguez. He's already on that 40-man roster, but even Adley Rutschman, Bobby Witt, Marco Luciano, CJ Abrams, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Grayson Rodriguez, all those guys will be eligible to play. They're not on the 40-man roster. Francisco Alvarez, of course, as well. So that is the positive side of things. Anthony Volpe, extremely excited to see him play. Unfortunately, though, uh, his other shortstop counterpart in in the same organization, so I guess not counterpart, but his uh, other fellow shortstop in the Yankees org, Oswald Peraza, will not be able to play because he has been in professional baseball for quite a bit now. He was a really young signee, and uh, he is on the 40-man to be protected from the Rule 5. So I'm going to go team to team, especially with, with just the most... I would say the teams that have the most impact in terms of guys, prospects that will not be able to play in the minor leagues and uh, some of the prospects who I think individually would be the most impacted. Um, uh, Once I get through a couple of the teams that are the most impacted, I'll fly through some of the top 100 prospects that I think, uh, you know, would just suffer the most because it's different, right? I look at an O'Neill Cruz and it sucks that we don't get to see somebody like O'Neill Cruz play out of the gate, but the guy has nothing left to prove between double and triple A. He's big league ready. There's not much else he needs to show. So it's not really an impact on his development or anything like that. It just sucks, right? I look at a Royce Lewis that is one that is really, really, really detrimental, right? He, he has missed time with injuries. He has had an up and down professional career. He's trying to get back on track. He's still younger than people think, which is the good news. He's still only 22 years old, but he really needs to get back on the field and start working towards 
get into the big leagues. And he won't be able to do that because he is on that 40-man roster. So Royce Lewis is probably one of the biggest victims. Same with a Christian Pache. And I'll get into more of those guys soon. But I wanted to start with the Guardians because it is just outrageous how many impactful prospects. Is, I, we just talked about them, right? We just were discussing how exciting and how ridiculous the middle infield is for this system. And by the way, uh, that whole write-up is up at JustBaseball.com now. Definitely go check that out. But <laughs> it is crazy how many middle infielders they have. And it's really amazing. You can you can really see the kind of prospects they go after. But that's, that's for another time. But when you're looking at the prospects that are impacted, that are legitimate for them, we'll start with the pitchers. I mean, not as high profile on the pitching side for the most part. The middle infielders are definitely a higher uh, in terms of ranking and prospect value. But even the Tobias Myers of the world, Connor Pilkington, I was excited to see both of those guys throw. I think both could actually be really good pieces for the Guardians next year. Going to the catching position, the guy that's supposed to be their backup catcher this coming season, Brian Lavastida. He is not able to uh, get any reps at the AAA level or in the minor leagues at all. And then some other guys. I mean, again, it's different case to case. Gabriel Arias, a really exciting prospect that was phenomenal in AAA. Maybe doesn't need the reps as badly. Similar Nolan Jones, though I could argue he still needs more reps. He's a guy that had a full season under his belt in AAA. But somebody like Jakensi Noel, that is one that really frustrates me because Noel, the guy's only 20. The guy is only 20 years old. He'll probably be 21 by the time the season starts. He actually would still be 20 uh, by the time opening day comes around for the minor leagues, but he was signed the day he turned 16. He debuted when he was 16 in the Dominican Summer League, so he was just somebody that got that clock going quickly and had to be added to the 40-man. Noel, as I mentioned in that Guardians episode is one of my favorite prospects ever. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit hyperbolic, but he's so much fun and I love to talk about him in 340-396-15 last year between low A and high A. And now we don't get to see him capitalize on that momentum until a deal is struck. That sucks. That really, really sucks. Hopefully it's just a month delay to the start of his season. But like, come on, man. That's a guy that we should be able to see building off of that momentum and really just turning into a very, very exciting prospect. Same story with Brian Rocchio. Brian Rocchio was just amazing when he got the call up to double A, will not be able to continue that momentum. He could have fast-tracked himself into a potential 2022 debut if he came out hot to the start of the year at double A the way he finished last year. We could have seen him in triple A a few months into the season and been pushing towards a big league debut, though I have no idea what they're going to do, the Guardians, with all of these middle infielders. Uh, a few more as I try to fly through it a little bit more quickly. Richie Palacios, just another name that we didn't even mention in the podcast, was so good last year, 40-man roster. Tyler Freeman, same story. Jose Tena, same story. Stephen Kwan was so amazing last year, but that was in triple A. He doesn't have much more to prove. Not as much of a travesty, but George Valera, damn it. George Valera needs ABs. He was really good in high A, struggled a bit in double A, held his own, really would need to, or would benefit so much from that second stint now in double A and getting his feet wet and, and continuing to go. These guys will all be okay, but it's just an unfortunate delay after an unfortunate delay in 2020. It's just not great right now. And I think we're going to look back at how the development of a lot of these prospects across the whole game was affected by the pandemic, which was out of everybody's control, and then this lockout, which is in certain people's control. Another one of baseball's deepest systems is the Tampa Bay Rays, as always, right? They're always as deep as it gets. And you look across their 40-man, tons of guys 
that I would love to see pitch. Uh, Tommy Romero is a name that I really think is one of the more underrated in all of the minor leagues, was one of the more called about names around the trade deadline from what I had heard when the Rays were looking to make some moves and they did not want to trade him. They even preferred to trade Joe Ryan, which I think says a lot in that instance right there because they are very similar with the stuff that doesn't jump off the page, but low 90s with just an interesting profile to the fastball that makes it almost an invisible. Romero is a younger version of that with maybe a little bit better stuff. Look out for Romero and his upside. He finished so strong after a bit of a bumpy start to his AAA Debut, he was phenomenal in double A, carved everybody up, got promoted to triple A, struggled a little bit after that, and then settled right in and dominated over his last five or so starts. That's a guy that I'd like to see just get right back into triple A because he's probably six or seven strong triple A starts away from getting a promotion. So that's another unfortunate one. Vidal Brujan, he got called up for a short stint, which means he's on the 40 man. We won't get to see Brujan. Same thing with Josh Lowe. He was up for, what, like two games, and now he won't be able to play in AAA, though he already showed everything he needs to show. I'll say that. I mean, what else does Josh Lowe need to prove? And I'm actually going to talk a little bit about him when we get to the baseball card segment of this thing. Uh, Also, Taylor Wall is a guy who was up for a little bit last year, could really use some more ABs. Um, Just the, the glove is wizardry, really, at shortstop. That's what it is. You get wizardry at shortstop from him. The bat is capable. I would like to see some more ABs. Ford Proctor, a converted two-catcher. So a converted infielder, two-catcher. Talk about a guy that could use some more games under his belt, right? I mean, you're you're a converted infielder, two-catcher, a lot of positive results, enough positive results that the Rays said, hey, let's add this guy to the 40-man, which I think speaks volumes because they already have Mejia, Zanino, and Rene Pinto. Uh, But again, that's because Proctor's showing some really good things in that department. A lot of the pitchers are pretty much big league ready uh, or have already been in the big leagues. One that is interesting, I don't even know if he would be healthy to pitch, is Brandon McKay. Would love to see that guy available because we know how special he could be, but health has been the issue there. And then, of course, Shane Boz. But Shane Boz has nothing left to prove. I mean, he was already looking great at the big league level, so probably not too many questions there. That's more of just the same unfortunate aspect of just the big leagues as a whole not happening. Another system that is always deep, no surprise at all, is the LA Dodgers, right? I mean, the LA Dodgers are the Dodgers, and they are so good at stockpiling young talent. The good news is it's not as bad for LA than I thought it would be. I I thought it would actually be worse in terms of a lot of their prospects because You know, a lot of these guys at the Dodgers, they do a great job drafting, of course, but they do a really good job in international free agency, scooping up a lot of 16, 17 year old uh, prospects. And I thought some of those guys would be impacted. There are a few, uh, but not nearly as bad as I thought it would be on the infield side. I think the biggest name that sticks out is Eddie's Leonard. Eddie's Leonard is probably one of the, the more overlooked prospects just because of the fact that he's in a Dodgers organization that is loaded with so much talent. But Leonard had a really good year last year between low A and high A. Uh, As a 20-year-old, between those two levels, 297, 395, 39 slash line, 22 home runs. I mean, this guy is really talented. He's raw, and he has some things to to work through. He's 21 uh, and now would hopefully be getting his feet wet in double A. And I think it would have been a bit of a jump for him after only 41 games in high A. So this was a guy that's, you know, a little bit, he was probably one of your prime candidates. He was 18 years old in rookie ball in 2019. 
misses 2020 and now is forced to make that jump to full season A ball and try to make up for lost time, which he did a great job of last year. And now the lockout kind of sets him back again after making up for some of that lost time. Uh, Jacob Amaya, another another name, Yorbit Vivas, another one not quite as much uh, upside potentially as Leonard. Uh, And then another one is is someone that we mentioned on the podcast yesterday or two days ago uh, with Anthony Mulrine. We couldn't come up with his name for a minute and then I was able to dig it up. He was like, who's that left-handed hitting outfield prospect with the Dodgers? He's really good. James Outman. James Outman can swing it. And uh, as Anthony Mulrine said, he could swing it. And by the way, if you haven't caught that episode, definitely check it out. I know he's not one of the most household names in terms of a prospect, but probably one of the more enjoyable interviews I've ever done uh, with the prospect angle, especially just because I don't think I've had an interview as the one with Anthony Mulrine, that I've actually asked questions that I genuinely didn't know the answer to. I think a lot of times with these prospect questions, I kind of know what they're going to say, just because I know these guys personally pretty well. I know Anthony well personally, but when we got so deep into the nitty gritty of catching, um, there was just so many things that were just so fascinating to learn from him, uh, and especially just that perspective. He just has a different perspective on the entire game as it's happening than anybody else on the field. I'm sorry for that digression. I just wanted to let you know that that is one that I think you'll really enjoy listening to if you uh, skipped over that interview. But anyways, back to Outman, a guy that I would love to see, you know, continue to capitalize on that fall league momentum. That's kind of the whole point, right? The whole point of the Arizona fall league is to get more reps and just continue your progression. It's just an opportunity to to get more ABs under your belt. Uh, for Outman, he was great in high A. He was even better in double A. It was a really good showing. And then he was, again, just steady numbers in Glendale in the fall league as well. So he would have been probably starting in double A. Only played 39 games there last year. I could see, since he's 24, I could see the Dodgers being a bit more aggressive and sending him up to triple. Either way, he would have been a guy that uh, would benefit from starting right away because he has a lot of momentum going in his favor as well. On the pitching side, not too much uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, Most of their guys that are pitchers they recently drafted. I know they went really heavy with arms in the 2020 draft. One name that is a little bit impacted, but he had a decent sample size uh, in the big leagues last year was Andre Jackson. I like Jackson a lot. Uh, I think he could be a really good bullpen arm, also can be stretched out for spot starts, uh, but also needs to continue to work on his command and polish the secondaries. I would imagine he could have started at the big league level, but there also would have been a good chance that he could have started in AAA. And now he will start nowhere. And then one more team before we get just going into the top 100 and flying through just those prospects, a team that is probably as impacted as anybody is the Royals. I mean, the Kansas City Royals, they had a lot of different pitchers debut last year and a lot of high profile pitching prospects that struggled in that debut, went back to the minor leagues and probably would have started this year in AAA and had an opportunity maybe in spring training to win a job in the rotation. Uh, but unfortunately, it'll be interesting to see how uh, things will shake out for Jackson Coar or Daniel Lynch, both of which very easily could have started the year in AAA and worked their way into the big leagues at some point. Uh, that's, those are two guys that I still I'm, I'm very excited about Daniel Lynch. He's got to find that third pitch and a way to get right handed hitters out. Uh, but there's still plenty to like there. Jonathan Bolin. Jonathan Bolin, as I've talked about in the past, is one of the more underrated prospects in the system. The guy can really pitch 6'6", 240, coming off of an injury, uh, but that that return will have to be delayed a little bit as well. Uh, On the offensive side, 
They've got some mashers that have proven everything they need to prove in AAA, so not as big of a deal for an MJ Melendez who hit 41 home runs between double and triple last year and probably could have cracked the opening day roster. I would have been surprised if he didn't. Nick Prado, kind of a similar story, Uh, but that's a lot of talent that even if there was no big league season, if these guys weren't on the 40-man roster, they probably would have stockpiled a lot of these guys in AAA and got them reps. Why not get Nick Prado more reps? Why not get Melendez more reps? And Get those guys ready to go by the time Major League Baseball comes around. That won't be the case uh, for those guys. So it's interesting on their end because the Royals are trying to be competitive now. And uh, some of the prospects that could really help them be competitive now uh, will be in the same position as most or all of their big leaguers. Uh, so let's fly through some of the top 100s. If, if I name somebody that I already named, I apologize. I'm trying to remember everybody I already talked about on the individual teams. Uh, but one of the one of the names that really sticks out to me towards the top, as I mentioned before, like Gabriel Moreno, that's one that just to rehash, I mean, Moreno, he misses a majority of the season with that thumb issue, was so good before he went down with that thumb issue in double A, really uh, asserted himself as a top prospect in this game, as I'd been talking about for years now to keep an eye on him. And, and he really uh, has made me look good. So I'm a big Gabriel Moreno fan because he's been even better than I, I'm not even going to front. He's been better than even I thought he would be. And I thought he could be one of the best uh, offensive catching prospects out there. And he's good defensively as well. Uh, so after missing a majority of the season in double A and then going to the fall league and trying to get those reps back, he will not be able to play uh, until the big leaguers can Reed Detmers. Another one. He, he had that cup of coffee at the big league level struggled, uh, probably would have been on the opening day roster. So a little bit more of a unique situation there, but another really talented pitcher, Edward Cabrera, same boat. I'm expecting him to be in that opening day rotation whenever that comes around. Uh, but he struggled at the big league level. If he wasn't on the 40 man, I'd, I'd expect the Marlins to be giving him innings in AAA. I mentioned Royce Lewis already. Luis Camposano, a guy that debuted, uh, struggled in that debut, was great in AAA, has an opportunity to maybe compete for ABs with Austin Nola, but now he's going to have to do it right, either right out of the gate and have that aggressive promotion again after looking pretty darn good in AAA. Or the Padres are going to roll with Nola and Caratini, assuming Nola is healthy and Camposano, once the season comes back around and once we have a deal in place, we'll start in AAA again and get a late start to the AAA season. Uh, But that's a guy that I think pretty much showed everything he needs to show, that he was rushed to the big league level, had to go to AAA, worked through some things, made some tweaks, was better with just his all-around approach and bat-to-ball skills, and I think could be ready for just skipping uh, any more stints, not really needing any more uh, experience in AAA. He could be fine. Christian Pache, same story. He's already been up at the big league level, was sent down to AAA last year because he struggled so mightily at the big league level. Would have started this season in AAA, I'm almost sure of it, because of his offensive struggles. I don't love Pache as a prospect, but he's a guy that, I would have expected to start in the minor league, so he's definitely impacted. Sixto Sanchez, I don't think, is going to pitch for at least the first half of the year, so he's kind of a moot point. O'Neill Cruz we went over. Mauricio, Ronnie Mauricio, right? Like, that's another name that he's young still, which is crazy. He feels like he's been around forever. He's still 20 years old, uh, but he's been around since he was 16, right? So he was eligible to be added to the 40-man. Very raw. Another prospect I'm lower on than maybe the rest of the industry, uh, but 
still extremely talented, has tools in every aspect of his game besides the wheels. He can't really run, uh, but you'd think he would. He looks like he could run, but he can't. Uh, but a great defender at short uh, in terms of his potential. Sometimes the routine plays get away from him, and it's kind of the same thing at the plate. Just so much power potential, uh, so such an ability to be a, a well-rounded player as a switch hitter with power, uh, but just the approach. He swings at everything, and that's something that you know, he's had aggressive promotions. I think the Mets needed to scale it back a little bit. He got brought all the way up last year uh, to double A, and he just wasn't quite ready for that level. Uh, he was hardly really performing well in high A. So somebody that just could really benefit from repeating double A, which I know he will because it was only a very, very short stint up there at the end of the year and spending probably the majority of this coming season in double A. So it, it may delay his ETA a bit. But his ETA was already looking like next year anyways, not this season, the season after that. Mackenzie Gore, another name, a guy that could probably use uh, whatever experience he can. But I will say maybe it's not a bad thing for Mackenzie Gore to be away from the Padres right now uh, and just work on some things himself. It seems like some of it is is not talent-based and more you know mental in terms of just trying to work through whatever he's going through on the mound. I mentioned Peraza earlier, Valera as well. Uh, but also D.L. Hall. I don't know if D.L. Hall is even ready to return yet from that elbow injury, so it might be a moot point, but if Hall is available to pitch, that's a guy that would already have been on his progression back and building up those innings. If not, then it's no big deal uh, with the Orioles. You know, I'm a big fan of Hall's. He's nasty. He seemed to be making great strides with his command last year and unfortunately uh, went down with that injury. Another Braves outfielder who underperformed last year, and has a lot to prove is Drew Waters. And Drew Waters will not be able to prove anything. Heliot Ramos, same story with the Giants, another outfielder who struggled last year in AAA, has a lot of potential, will have to wait. Same with Jordan Bolazovic of the Twins. And that's a guy that could be big league ready this year. Bolazovic is a very solid pitching prospect that uh, I think if he put together eight, 10 strong starts in the upper minors last year or this last year, this coming year, I really think he could have been somebody that was pushing for a very thin rotation in Minnesota. Leover Paguero, shortstop with the Pirates, very young in his progression, probably looking at a 2023 ETA. Uh, that's a guy that probably I'm assuming assignment wise would have been in double A. Uh, so and he has not played above high A yet. So that's a guy that definitely would have benefited. Ryan Rollison, Ryan Rollison, pitching prospect Southpaw with the Rockies. He had a really bad year last year, and he was probably their most promising pitching prospect. And unfortunately, just took a step back. The Rockies need as many arms as they can get. No one wants to pitch in that environment, and he's definitely somebody that needs to turn it around. I know they're relying on him. He's 24 now, um, and he was probably going to start in AAA because he has a lot of uh, improving to do in terms of his command, and it just didn't work for him last year. So that's somebody that uh, we will definitely see make his debut uh, of the 2022 season, I think, in AAA. But the Rockies, you never know. Uh, you never know what they're going to do over there. Uh, but I would I would expect Rollison to, once he can – Start in AAA, so he'll have a delayed start to his minor league season as well. Now that we flew through all of these players, I want to take the, uh, as you know, on Fridays, on the fun Fridays here, we take the baseball card slant as well, which is presented by eBay in our collector's digest here. And this is the part that's so fun for me because 
the I told you how the prospecting really got me into and the like covering prospects got me into the card prospecting side of things uh, just because why not right I'm spending so much time why not continue to build out my vintage collection with some modern cards and I was just at Culture Collision which is a card show in Atlanta uh, working with eBay which was so much fun. Got to interview some NFL guys, Cordero Patterson. I also got to interview Tyrod Taylor, Cortland Sutton. It was it was a really cool experience. But of course, what I was maybe even more excited about was just looking around at all the cards. I mean, there were some ridiculous cards there. I'm talking $25,000 Juan Soto, Bowman, Chromatos, all stuff that, you know, if I won the lottery, I would be looking to, to purchase or if a million people listen to this podcast. But by the way, the numbers have been great, and I really appreciate you all so much uh, for continuing to share the podcast with people and uh, just listen yourself and helping grow this show. I am just so, so appreciative of that because this is just so much fun for me. I obviously couldn't afford the Juan Soto, Bowman Chromes, or even the Luis Roberts, or, or a lot of those just super, super high-end Bowman Chrome Auto cards out there. And so I was looking around, I'm like, okay, I don't want to, buy these also lottery ticket prospect type of cards as well. I want to find that sweet middle ground. And that's exactly what I did. So a couple of the pickups that I had that I was really excited about. And then I also want to talk about the 40 man implications on cards as well. Uh, But Alec Thomas, I got an Alec Thomas base card, Bowman Chrome auto base. That's a PSA 10. I was really excited about that because uh, I think Thomas, while he may not ever win an MVP, he is as high floor as it gets. I think he's going to be a fan favorite because he's such a grinder. He's an above average runner. He has sneaky pop. He has a plus hit tool. He's a good defender in center. He's a gamer. He can swipe some bags. He's just a guy that I think people are going to gravitate towards. And again, when, when you have that hit tool, you have the instincts and you have that baseball IQ that so many people just love about him, especially in that uh, Diamondbacks organization. Alec Thomas is a card I'm always willing to bet on. Maybe the upside is not as high as some of the other guys, but there is almost no downside relative to what the downside is on most prospects. I mean, there's downside on any prospect, right? I mean, at the end of the day, prospects are prospects, uh, but compared relative to most of the other prospects that you are scooping up, uh, Alec Thomas is as high and solid of a floor as you're going to find. I went a little bit riskier with my other pickup, and it was Josh Lowe of the Rays, who will not be able to play until the deal is is figured out of between the owners and players, but I got a Joshua refractor. It's a 9.5 out of 10 by Beckett grading there. 9.5s across every single grade, corner, surface, all that good stuff. Uh, For those who might not be as nerdy about cards, the reason why uh, that matters, of course, is if you get a PSA 10, that's great. If you get a Beckett 9.5 across all of the other things that they grade, they look at centering edges, corners, and surface. Uh, then you know you have a pretty good chance to send it into PSA and get a PSA 10, which is better than any other grade you can get. Uh, I like low a lot because I'm fairly positive. Uh, I mean, I've, I've heard things about it. I, I'm not saying that I've gotten any indication in terms of the reports that Kiermaier will for sure be dealt from the Rays, uh, but I have received indication that they are talking about it, um, and I think that's already been widely reported as well, but just from where I trust as well. I, I've heard that the Rays, of course, are very open to it, but I don't even think you need to have any any sources to know that. I mean, Kiermaier's owed a lot of money over the next two years for the Ray, relative to the Rays, and Lowe was phenomenal in AAA, and they've got other guys that could fill in in center as well. It just all makes sense 
Lowe is a guy that can impact the baseball, hit 25 to 30 home runs. He can steal 20 bags plus as well. He did it last year, uh, and he plays good defense in center or plus in a corner. Left-handed bat on a competitive team that is always a pretty much perennial World Series contender uh, over the last handful of years. Sign me up for that. I don't think they're going to block this guy. And if anything, I know they love Kevin Kiermaier there, but I don't think they're going to block him. Uh, they're going to block low with Kiermaier with, with his price tag right now. So I was really excited to get that Bowman Chrome Auto Blue Refractor out of 150 uh, for what was a pretty pretty fair price there. But when I look at the, the 40-man roster implications in general, I actually think this is what's going to happen. I actually in- encourage you to scoop up some 40-man roster guys. And I know that sounds backwards. Why would I want to scoop up cards during the season of guys that might not be able to play? Well, well this is kind of my thought on this. Through the first few weeks of the season, we're going to see a lot of prospects get off to really hot starts. Marco Luciano is going to hit a 120-mile-an-hour home run that goes viral, right? Or, or you're going to see some other prospects that maybe we weren't talking about as much start to really make a name for themselves. And what happens when that happens? I mean, you're going to see the prospect rankings change. And as people start getting bumped up the prospect rankings or as videos go viral, as people are talking about certain players and more eyes are on minor league baseball because the big leagues aren't happening – you are probably going to see more people going to eBay and searching Robert Hassel, Bowman Cromato, because he's off to a torrid start to the season, let's say. Everyone's going to be searching up the names that are relevant on their mind. And I think naturally, the money that's going to be invested into cards is going to be the names that are are, are currently playing, uh, that you're reminded of. It's just naturally how it works. And if more of the money's going towards those guys, less of the money's going to the guys that aren't on the field. It's almost like as if they're injured, right? Unfortunately, that's kind of how it is. I wouldn't say it's the same for the big leaguers because it's not like some big leaguers are playing and some aren't. For the prospects, some elite prospects are playing and some elite prospects aren't. And I just don't see people uh, being reminded to collect certain names uh, when they're not on the field. I mean, there's still going to be people buying and selling other notable prospects, but I definitely think that there's a little bit of an area here where more of the money is going to be put into the names that are currently playing that are often reminding people, oh, I need to go buy this guy after they hit a moonshot home run that's all over Twitter and people go over to eBay. So I would say, look at some of the guys that are on the 40-man roster and that won't be able to play through the first couple weeks of the season and see if you might be able to find some good deals on those guys because those aren't going to be the people at the forefront of everybody's mind. I mean, we see how quickly the market reacts to performance. It's become more and more direct. Performance, straight direct correlation to prices. We're seeing it happen even quicker and quicker and quicker in time, and I think that's going to be something that definitely happens. I'm looking at some of the 40-man guys that I would love to collect. I still can't believe George Valera doesn't have a card, by the way, because that would be a name I would be scooping up in bunches. But I, I would look at Josh Lowe as a name that I would love to continue to scoop up because I think the second that Kiermaier trade goes down, I really believe it's going to happen. Then you're going to see people flocking towards Josh Lowe because everyone's going to say, okay, who's going to play center now? Or who's going to be that other guy that fills in in the outfield? Manuel, Manuel Margot has been another name that was floated. Uh, that that could be traded. I think either of those guys, that opens up a spot in the outfield, and then all of a sudden people are thinking, oh, well, who's going to fill in? Well, it's going to be that guy that crushed the ball in AAA. Uh, So that's another one of those 40-man names I really like. O'Neal Cruz, again, to me, that's a guy that is still underpriced, absolutely underpriced. He has prolific home run potential. He's in an organization that people just aren't paying enough attention to right now, but I think that organization is quietly on the up and up. And Cruz might not be on the forefront of everybody's mind because he's not really uh, 
that talked about prospect as much. I mean, he's a well-known name, but relative to his skills, you don't hear about him enough. And I mean, the guy's going to be big league ready. He's going to be on that opening day roster whenever opening day happens. I could see people like not really flocking to him as much as they should. And that could be a name that slips a little bit in price for no reason other than just people paying attention to other players. Those are two names I'm scooping up in bunches, and that upside is massive. But I also think that they're not as risky as their profile may suggest. Gabriel Arias, another name too, that I think is incredibly undervalued and a good uh, option, who has nothing left to prove in AAA, is on the 40-man, and I think could be big league ready pretty early into next year. I'm always open to any prospect questions you have, card questions as well about who you should invest in, fantasy fantasy dynasty, anything you got. My DMs are always open on Twitter. Be sure to follow me at rmwayton8 on Twitter and at the call up pod on Twitter as well to keep up with interviews that we have on the horizon, plenty that I am looking forward to. And I'll tell you this, as, as we get closer and closer to the season, I'll start ramping up into some of the more a well-known and big-name prospects that I think you guys will be very, very excited about. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. If you could take a moment to leave a rating, that would mean so much to me to help grow this show. Uh, thank you so much, as always, and I hope you have a great weekend, and I look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday. Monday.